We start today with three troops killed in Jordan. And very quickly, we are once again presented with one of these situations where the instinct of the Republican Party is bloodthirsty demands being placed on a Democratic president, a Democratic president who will be told if he does things that he did them illegally and if he doesn't do things that he isn't bloodthirsty enough, that he's weak, he's a sissy and Democrats can't keep us safe, et cetera, et cetera. And it's really we're going to go through the details of the situation when these things happen. It's the prototypical contrast between Democrats and Republicans, all based around longstanding stereotypes about how Democrats supposedly do foreign policy, while really it's just Republicans caricaturing themselves as the bloodthirsty maniacs they claim not to be when they run for office. So let's first start with what happened. Three American troops were killed and dozens more were injured in an overnight drone strike in northeast Jordan near the Syrian border. Um, at least 34 injuries is the number right now. This was a one way attack drone and uh, eight individuals were flown out of Jordan for follow up care. Now, the initial assessment, it's not 100 percent. And there are those who will never accept that we have any assessment that's accurate. But the initial assessment is that one of several Iranian backed groups was behind this. And Iran's mission to the United Nations said in a statement earlier today, Tehran was absolutely not involved in the attack, as is often the case. Well, Tehran is not involved, but if the groups are backed by Iran, then is it involvement or not? Or is it proxy involvement? And these are all questions that can be asked about the United States and other theaters as well. That doesn't in any way disqualify the questions here. Uh, what we know in terms of a follow up is that immediately Iran backed fighters in East Syria started evacuating their their posts anticipating American airstrikes, uh, which Joe Biden has said we aren't going to do nothing, but hasn't yet made clear what the U.S. is going to do. Now, as a historical note, the U.S. hasn't conducted a military operation on Iranian soil in four decades. But over the last decades, the U.S. has hit Iranian targets in Syria and Iranian targets in Iraq. And of course, we know about the vast number of sanctions that have been imposed. The idea being choke off military funding to those regional allies of Iran. Now, there is a risk of escalation here. There are those who are jumping very quickly to this will define the reelection or lack thereof of Joe Biden nine and a half months from now. I believe that's unlikely to be the case, but I'll talk a little bit more about that in the next segment. But right away, you know, it's so predictable. There are times when the military should do things and times when it should not. It's not anti progressive to say sometimes a military should do things. Additionally, it is a reasonable instinct to be very skeptical of American military intervention around the world because it's gone wrong so many times. That's also a sensible and logical progressive perspective. But the Republican hawks immediately saying Biden needs to do X, Y, Z and he won't do it. And he's a sissy and Democrats are doves. 
and so on and so forth. Uh, we have Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who said that there should be, quote, serious crippling costs imposed on Iran for what took place. Senator Lindsey Graham, one of our favorites from South Carolina, said that um, what has taken place uh, that in a, that what has taken place requires much more than just the U.S. taking out some Iranian proxies, because taking out the proxies alone, quote, will not deter Iranian aggression. And we need, quote, to, to strike targets of significance inside Iran. A senator, Tom Cotton from Arkansas, Republican, said, quote, the only answer to these attacks must be devastating military retaliation against Iran's terrorist forces, both in Iran and across the Middle East. Very uh, hawkish statement. And Senator John Cornyn tweeted or I guess excreted on X, quote, target Tehran. So you can always count on Republicans to say military action except when they're running for president and they now want to claim that they are the anti-war party. This is the funny contrast now with Republicans since Trump. Republicans very quickly saying we'll keep us out of wars. Killery will start for wars. Biden's going to war. We will keep us out of war. And yet on October 8th, they make the most bloodthirsty demands. Now, on January 29th, hours after what took place here, they are making the most bloodthirsty demand. So this we are the anti-war party now uh, stops as soon as they have an opportunity to uh, generate military conflict. Now, it's important to understand the backdrop here of this entire situation is that the United States has been conducting strikes against Iranian backed militias in Yemen and in Iraq in response to attacks on American forces, which came because of American support for Israel. So all of these things are intertwined in ways that don't make it clear what exactly should Joe Biden do here. Biden is getting rebuked by more dovish lawmakers for not seeking prior congressional authorization for the strikes that took place. And Biden's getting rebuked by the hawks because his retaliation has been insufficient, as Lindsey Graham said. So he's both not doing enough and doing too much without authorization. Uh, will this impact the November election? Probably not, although we're hours into this and things can change. I want to talk a little bit about the panic that is growing about November before we go any further. Uh, I want to address dozens and dozens of voicemails and emails that I'm getting hundreds of YouTube comments saying, David, are you blind? It's time to panic about Joe Biden. Trump is beating Biden in every poll and he's going to crush him in November and we are all going to feel like idiots. Let's have a conversation about this. First of all, it rarely makes sense to panic, even if things look terrible. I mean, we gain nothing from panicking. So that aside, we should honestly look at the situation big picture and see if we can relax a little bit here. It doesn't mean we're going to stay home. It doesn't mean we won't work to get out the vote or whatever. But let's just set the situation. If there is no recession and if there is no geopolitical calamity that directly involves the United States with Joe Biden 
put in extraordinarily difficult situations. I don't believe the three dead in Jordan represent that at this time. So if there's no recession and no major U.S. focused geopolitical calamity, I believe Joe Biden will almost certainly be reelected. First of all, uh, as a historical case, when the economy is solid, presidents get reelected. I know I've said it many times. I want to get it into this segment. I know not everybody agrees with me, but when the economy has sustained low unemployment, stock market growth, GDP up, inflation down, presidents tend to get themselves reelected. Even looking at the polls, the polls say it's a tight race. Now, there are people who email me who focus only on the polls that Trump is leading in. Others write to me and say, David, there's nothing to worry about. Look at all these polls that Biden is winning. What we can say on average at the end of January, entering February, what we can say on average is it's a tight race that will probably come down to a few important states, as is always the case lately in presidential elections. To me, this is a good thing for Joe Biden's chances. I'll tell you why. Right now, Donald Trump is getting all the media attention. The Republican uh, Party is in the middle of a primary. Trump is in court. He's giving press conferences after leaving court. He's doing rallies. He's giving victory speeches after winning primaries. Trump is dominating media coverage and the polls are basically tight. Trump is getting weekly primary wins and the polls are tight. Joe Biden's approval rating isn't particularly high. It's like thirty nine and it's still very tight. So while the economic indicators are strong, public opinion about the economy is only now starting to improve. I expect that Joe Biden's approval, again, if nothing major changes, will be higher in November than it is today, especially if the economy doesn't have to get any better. If the economy remains as it is right now, public sentiment about the economy seems to be following behind by somewhere around two to four months. All if all of that happens, Biden is going to have a higher approval rating in November. Just got another great GDP report. Just got another great inflation report. The economy has to do a 180 in the next nine and a half months for the economy to hurt Joe Biden. We then have the record stock market, record low unemployment overall, record low unemployment among minority groups and young people and women. All of these things bode well for Joe Biden's approval. And then on the other hand, you have Donald Trump. Yes, he's going to continue winning primaries and getting victory speeches and positive coverage. He will almost certainly be the nominee. And then the criminal trials will begin and people will start to remember why they didn't vote for Trump in November of 2020. And since he's lost, as Simon Rosenberg told us last week, he lost in 2020. And since then, he was charged with 91 felonies. He was found to be a civilly liable rapist and defamed Gene Carroll and has been ordered to pay over eighty three million dollars, which we will talk about a little bit later. He was found to have committed business fraud as a ongoing and serial practice with his business in New York. That total recipe doesn't have anywhere in it that Trump beats Biden. Now, of course, this isn't a guarantee and Joe Biden's old and he's stumbling and he's doing this, that the other thing. All of those things are true. This is we're, we're in unprecedented waters. But when you zoom out, this looks very bad for Donald Trump. And unless something changes, I expect that Joe Biden will be reelected in November of 2024.
If you disagree with me, don't write in and say, David, can't you see Biden doesn't even know what day it is? Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. He seems to know what day it is. That's not an argument that Trump wins, and it doesn't refute any of the facts that I have laid out. If I got some of the facts wrong, let me know. If I'm interpreting the facts incorrectly, let me know. But let's keep it civil. Let's keep it serious. And to be a thousand percent clear, nothing I've said means we don't have to activate in the way that we always should as engaged participants in the democratic system. Let me know your thoughts. We'll take a quick break back after this. So many people in our audience have become fans of our sponsor Ounce of Hope. Ounce of Hope is a cannabis farm that ships CBD and psychoactive THC products to your door anywhere in the US. This is federally legal THCA, THC Delta eight and nine. They have edibles. And now you can check out the brand new drink from Ounce of Hope for 2024. The Berry High five milligram THC seltzer. It's the only 16 ounce THC seltzer on the market. It's only five bucks, a price no one can beat at their cannabis farm in Memphis. Ounce of Hope sustainably raises fish to feed local homeless people. I've always thought it's a really cool operation. Besides the delicious seltzer, they have gummies, chocolate, Rice Krispie treats, caramels, topicals, oils, soft gels, you name it. Ounce of Hope grows, extracts and formulates all of these world class products in house so that you can trust the safety and quality of every product that arrives at your door. So whether you're looking for a little help sleeping at night, something for aches and pains, a way to unwind on the weekend, Ounce of Hope can help you out if you are over 21. And right now you can pick up their very high five milligram THC seltzers for five bucks each at ounceofhope.com. No one can beat that price. And aside from their drinks, you'll get 20 percent off everything else when you use the code Pacman. That's ounceofhope.com. Pick up one of their THC seltzers for just five bucks. Use the code Pacman to get 20 percent off everything else. The info is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact based reporting for some much needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement, all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you NerdWallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Here's something I would recommend very highly to the guys in the audience. If you're sick of the chafing and the rubbing that you get with traditional underwear, check out our sponsor Sheath. Sheath makes ergonomically designed men's underwear with separate compartments in the front, preventing the sticking together of things. It lets everything breathe. It lets air circulate, keeping you comfortable, dry and fresh all day long. Wave goodbye to the sweatiness, please, to the stickiness, to the readjustments. They have a ton of designs. Everyone can find something they like. And Sheath also is now offering super comfortable women's underwear as well as silky smooth base layer undershirts and bottoms for men. With every purchase, you're supporting multiple nonprofit organizations related to mental health, homelessness, doctors without borders. 
Sheath is a very socially conscious company, which I love. Sheath has over 20,000 five star reviews, fast shipping, world class customer service, and Sheath is the perfect gift for any man or woman on your shopping list. Go to sheathunderwear.com slash Pacman and you'll get 20% off with the code Pacman. The link is down below. The David Pacman Show, of course, is a program that depends on you. If you're hearing this message, you're not getting the full experience or all of the content that we are producing daily like the bonus show. Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. Everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. Everyone else that makes money to fund themselves is bad, but not us. We're good. You can get access to the bonus show and all of the other great member perks by signing up at joinpacman.com and of course applying the coupon code if you so please save democracy 24. Let's talk about this brutal 83.3 million dollar defamation verdict against the failed former president Donald Trump. Before the details of the verdict, there was reporting that Donald Trump stormed out of the courtroom during closing arguments. This little detail, this this element of the story is a preview element for what we expect when Trump's four criminal trials begin. This trial led to Trump having to pay eighty three million dollars. The future trials that will be starting soon could put Trump in prison for the rest of his life. So understand that this is the behavior that will scale up when Trump's freedom is at stake. NBC News reports Donald Trump abruptly stormed out of court <laughs> during closing arguments in the E. Jean Carroll damages trial Friday. As her attorney was telling jurors, the former president is a liar who thinks, quote, the rules don't apply to him. The record will reflect that Mr. Trump just rose and walked out of the courtroom, Judge Lewis Kaplan said after the dramatic departure during lawyer Roberta Kaplan's presentation. Roberta Kaplan, not related to the judge, just happened to have the same last name, told the jury Trump spent the quote entire trial continuing to engage in defamation against Carol by calling her sexual abuse allegations against him, quote, a con job. Ms. Carol did not make it up. The sexual assault happened and his denials were all complete lies. After Trump walked out, she told the jury he thinks with his wealth and power, he can treat Ms. Carol how he wants and will suffer no consequences. Uh, Trump, who's called Carol sick and a whack job, among other insults, quote, can't attack her just because he feels like it. He returned to the courtroom for his own attorney's closing about an hour later. Jury deliberated at 140. Trump left at four. So listen, he's petulant. He's like a toddler. And yet tens of millions of people want to make this guy president once again. The bulk of this story is going to come in the next segment about the verdict, about whether uh, this is the, about the award, whether this is collectible, whether Trump has this amount of cash. We're going to get to that. But if we are all wondering, what is it going to be like when these criminal trials start? What is the day to day going to be? How is Trump going to react when he leaves, when he knows that what's at stake? That slimy lawyer on the other side might put me in prison for the rest of my life. Trump's behavior during the fraud trial and the defamation trial has been completely and utterly unhinged, childish, pathetic, ridiculous. Uh, but I believe it is nothing, nothing compared to the way Trump is going to behave when any conviction and sentence based on Trump's age could very well be a life sentence 
for the guy who actually wants to be president. He wants to be in the Oval Office. Prosecutors believe at least potentially that he should be in prison where he will end up, maybe at Mar-a-Lago with, you know, a monitoring ankle bracelet. We don't yet know. But this is a preview of the criminal trials. Now let's get to this award. E. Jean Carroll has been awarded eighty three point three million dollars because she was defamed by Donald Trump, who, by the way, was also found civilly liable for raping her. Yes, that is the reality. Axios reports Trump ordered to pay eighty three point three million dollars to E. Jean Carroll in the defamation trial. Uh, the verdict came after a jury found he damaged Carol's reputation after she accused him of sexually assaulting her in the 1990s. The jury awarded Carol $18.3 million in compensatory damages and $65 million in punitive damages. This is a total of $83.3 million. Uh, Roberta Kaplan, Carol's attorney, also asked the jury on Friday to order Trump to pay at least $24 million in damages. Kaplan told the jury that only unusually high damages would prevent Trump from again defaming Carol. What's really funny is Trump uh, had a rally speech after this, no longer mentioning E. Jean Carroll or the details. He just talked about, did you see what happened? Did you see what they did to us? It actually seems to sort of be working. Trump, after being hit with eighty three point three million, at least at his immediate public event after that, uh, stopped defaming her. Now, we are going to look at Alina Habba's commentary in a moment. Uh, Trump posting to Troth Central only absolutely ridiculous. I fully disagree with both verdicts and will be appealing this whole Biden directed witch hunt. Our legal system is out of control, et cetera, et cetera. There is no longer justice in America, but he didn't mention E. Jean Carroll, didn't allude to I've never met the woman, didn't allude to she's not my type or any of that stuff whatsoever. Now, what is it that E. Jean Carroll will do with the money if she is able to collect it? She says she's going to do quote something good. New York Times reports as soon as E. Jean Carroll heard the verdict, eighty three point three million, a world of possibility opened up how to use the money. She said, I'm not going to waste a cent of this. We're going to do something good with it. Now, let's be very honest. Do we know for sure that she is uh, going to collect eighty three point three million? The answer is we absolutely, absolutely do not. Trump is going to appeal. Uh, The appeal could take a long time. It's possible that in the appeal, the punitive damages will be knocked down significantly. Uh, If they are knocked down significantly, then it could take a while to collect. It's possible that uh, E. Jean Carroll will need to take action in order to collect and may end up accepting some smaller amount for it to be paid right away. For all we know, Trump may be president before she even sees a penny of this. So there is going to be a process here. One of the interesting elements of this is we don't we don't know how rich Trump really is. You know, we know that he's talked previously about four, five, six, seven, eight billion dollars. Those numbers seem to be very much exaggerated. But aside from that, he's probably a billionaire. But how much cash he has available is a real question mark. We just don't know. Trump may have to get a line of credit against one of his incredibly valuable properties in order to pay pay this. We just don't know how much cash he has around. And the best part of all of this, I, I have to tell you, 
The best part of all of this was seeing Trump's arrogant, egomaniac lawyer, Alina Habba, lose her mind outside of the courtroom after the verdict. And I want to go to that next. Donald Trump has been ordered to pay E. Jean Carroll eighty three point three million dollars. Donald Trump's lawyer, Alina Habba, who apparently was uh, feverish recently and tried to have proceedings delayed and hopefully she's feeling better. She ranted and raved outside the courtroom after this eighty three point three million dollar award was announced. I have to tell you, I love seeing this. I really do. Does it make me a bad person that I am going to play for you some of the most enjoyable two minutes of video I've seen in a long time? She is not happy with this. She doesn't regret representing Trump, but she is very much not happy with the verdict. Take a listen to this. Get the popcorn. Ask me that question. No, I'm not having any second thoughts about representing President Trump. Right. It is the proudest thing I could ever do. What I am having second thoughts about is the license that I stand here with that the people in there are supposed to have. Right. I have not spoken because I respect my ethics <laughs> while I'm on trial. Right. But let me now speak about what has happened. Yeah. I have sat on trial after trial for months in this state, the state of New York. Attorney General Letitia James, and now this. Weeks. <laughs> Weeks. Why? Because President Trump is leading in the polls, and now we see what you get in New York. This is straight out of Trump's mouth. This is not something normal lawyers would usually say. But Trump's story is they've only come after me because I'm leading every poll, and Alina Habba is repeating it. So don't get it twisted. Whoever asked me that question, I am so proud to stand with President President Trump. Right. But I am not proud to stand with what I saw in that courtroom. Ms. Hubbard, is the I'm not finished. Let me just finish and I'll take questions, please. Before I walked into court, that judge decided that every single defense President Trump had, we were not allowed to raise in front of the jury. It is in writing and I encourage the journalists, the real journalists. OK, this is critical. This is a critical detail. Aline Habba and Trump have argued they didn't allow me to make a defense. OK, the defense they wanted to make is that Trump didn't sexually assault E. Jean Carroll. The problem is that he's already been found civilly liable for that. So you can't use that as part of your defense. It's not because Trump is being mistreated. It's not because they're picking on Trump. It's because you're not allowed to do that. There has already been a finding that Trump is civilly liable for sexual assault and for the defamation. So when they're trying to figure out damages, you can't go. I didn't sexually assault her. I didn't defame her. That phase is over. She's a lawyer and she knows that to take the minute to look at his orders. There was no proof. And I couldn't prove that she didn't bring in the dress. There was no DNA. There was no expert. My experts were denied. Two of them, two of them were denied to come in. They didn't bring, let me bring up that Reed Hoffman funded Ms. Kaplan. And you know what we got in there? That my witness, who was her friend, who said that she is a drug addict and the drug addict is herself. That friend I found out in there was paid for by Ms. Kaplan's firm and that is disgusting. That is a violation of everything I stand for. And that is why I stand with Trump. 
And that is why so many Americans are so proud are they? that he is running again and so excited to run to the ballot box. But don't get it twisted. We are seeing a violation of our justice system, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. Don't get it twisted. A final apocalyptic message from Alina Habba. As we know, Trump hires only the best people. What an incredible day. I hope she's actually getting paid. We, there are reports that she's billed millions of dollars. As many people in the audience know, billing and collecting are two different things. It's sort of like uh, anybody can take a reservation for a rental car, but having the car available is critical. We learned this on Seinfeld years ago. Anybody can just take reservations, but you've got to hold the car. Anybody can send out legal invoices, but the collection is such a critical element. And we I hope she's been able to collect throughout this entire thing. Rudy Giuliani. This is a bonus clip. Rudy Giuliani, his big defense is, listen, it was sexual assault, not rape. Nobody should be referring to it as rape. Well, the judge is a disgrace to the greatest court in America. It's uh, called the mother court, the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York, which had some of the greatest judges in American history. This judge is a pure disgrace. He's telling he's telling a lawyer what questions to ask. That's totally ridiculous. He won't let him defend himself. Uh, and, and how is it inconsistent? Let's say, let's say he was first of all, he was he was found not guilty or not liable for rape. It was sexual assault. Not- yeah. That's actually not true. So the the judge has made clear based on the definition of rape and the actions Trump was found civilly liable for the sexual assault he was found liable for was a rape by definition. So the best Rudy has is after all, it was only sexual assault. It wasn't really rape. The question now, can E. Jean Carroll collect the money? Will E. Jean Carroll collect the money? A devastating verdict for the failed former president and adding insult to injury or injury to insult. Nikki Haley has really taken off the gloves uh, going bare knuckles against Donald Trump. We're going to take a quick break and talk about that next. Our sponsor, Oxygen, is really the online banking app that you didn't know you needed. Oxygen has both personal and small business accounts. And what I find super compelling is they're geared towards entrepreneurs who want to turn some kind of side business into a full time business because Oxygen will incorporate your small business for you while separating your personal and business banking to make things like invoicing, payroll and taxes easier. You can get up to 5% cash back on business expenses, up to an impressive 6% on personal spending with their debit cards, which is amazing. And then on the personal banking side, Oxygen lets you send and receive money with your friends and family using peer to peer payments, easy to split a bill, share expenses, send holiday gifts to your loved ones. And having won several awards for their industry leading benefits, features, and cash back. Oxygen is really the place to start and grow your business, and it's great for personal banking as well. With over 750,000 accounts opened, Oxygen is a trusted resource with some of the best rewards in the industry. Go to davidpackman.com slash oxygen to sign up for the account that works best for you or your business. The link is in the podcast notes. 
You've heard me talk before about the show's financial accounts being hacked. It is a horrible experience. It can happen to anyone. Look at the stats and our sponsor Aura gives you peace of mind. Aura is the all in one solution to keep your accounts safe. Aura scans the dark web for your personal info, emails, passwords, social security numbers and alerts you if anything is found and helps you fix the problem fast. You also get alerts about suspicious credit inquiries. Aura protects all of your devices from malware with state of the art antivirus and Aura helps you manage what your kids can do on their devices with really easy to use parental controls. You can try Aura for free for two weeks at Aura.com slash Pacman. Your usernames and passwords could already be floating around. It takes just seconds to find out using Aura's free trial so you can change your passwords if you need to. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. The Nikki Haley of today. Where was she a month ago? Where was she two, three months ago? Clearly seizing on the reality that Trump is so wildly triggered by her not getting out of the race and kissing the ring as soon as Trump won New Hampshire. She is seizing on this. She's going full in on the Trump dementia cognitive decline story. She's calling him unhinged, making fun of him for thinking she was responsible for security on January 6th in Washington, D.C. And the Fox News crowd is trying to run interference for her. I'm going to tell you, she's not going to win. A few people wrote to me last week saying, David, it's premature to say she's not going to win. Unless Trump dies, she's not going to be the nominee or, you know, ends up in prison and the party says we can't vote for this guy. She's not going to be the nominee. But I want her to keep trying because it is damaging Trump. It is sending Trump into a tailspin. Here is Nikki Haley on Fox News over the weekend saying he is completely unhinged. Then Bill Hemmer doesn't like it, tries to confront her about it. We'll look at that in the second segment. But where was this Nikki Haley six weeks ago? Ronna McDaniel, the head of the Republican National Committee on Tuesday night, she said that she thinks you should get out of the race. Have you spoken to her? Um, I let her know how disappointed I was. You know, I mean, let's look at the last 48 hours, Dana. I mean, first of all, you had um, election night. Trump gets on stage. He throws an absolute temper tantrum talking about revenge. But he says nothing about the American people, nothing about what he's going to do about the wasteful spending that he um, encouraged and allowed the Republicans and Democrats to do in his term. He said nothing about how he's going to secure the border and what he's going to do different that he didn't do when he was president before. He said nothing about how he's going to prevent war. Then he goes and says that he's going to ban anyone from MAGA that donates to me. Think about that. That's a president who's supposed to serve every person in America, and you're deciding that you're going to have a club and actually ban people from being in and out of your club. And then he goes and encourages the members of the RNC and tries to push them into saying that he's the nominee in the race. I mean, they got so much pushback that he had to backtrack. Well, from did, it. I, I mean, he's sure totally he unhinged. But at it? the end of the day, our focus is still on the totally unhinged. And she's right. I mean, she she is absolutely right about that. Now, Bill Hemmer tried to run some interference and push back against this. They don't like that. She's calling Trump unhinged. And she says not only is he unhinged, he's disgruntled, too. You went on to say there a moment ago that he was totally unhinged. I I think that was the the quote you gave. Um, Coming out of New Hampshire, he won 74 percent of Republicans. Uh, To date, 109 counties have voted and you've won two. And one of those by a This is the Trump carrying water action. Single vote. 
Well, when do you start winning Republicans? Well, first of all, I will win Republicans, but guess who else I win? I win moderates and I win independents, which he does not. That is why he lost in 2018. That's why he lost in 2020. That's why he lost in 2022. And that's why in every poll you see, he loses to Joe Biden and I win. This is the issue of you can't win a presidential election without moderates and independents. I can get the support of Republicans, moderates, and independents. I will do that. The thing is, you look at the fact, I didn't get zero delegates. I've got 17 delegates. We moved 25 points in New Hampshire in the last three weeks of, of that race. We're going to continue to move in South Carolina. And so, look, we moved from 2% to 20% in Iowa. Yeah, let, let, we let moved up 25% yeah, in New Hampshire. This, yeah, We're going to do even better yeah. than that in South Carolina. Just with the schedule coming up, you're not really competing in Nevada, and you got Michigan, Idaho, and uh, North Dakota. Uh, there are 16 states that vote on March 5th. That's Super Tuesday. Which of those 16 will you win? <laughs> we're going to try and push for all of them probably not we're going to do everything and anything we can but right now our focus is on south carolina so listen she's not winning anywhere that's the reality but where was this passion where was this toughness from nikki haley when trump was walking all over her with bird brain and she's not qualified and this that the other thing now to her credit uh, this maybe is this is the final moment we'll look at fox news points out you need money to keep this campaign going. If people don't think you can win, they won't donate. Nikki Haley says, oh, I've got the money. That's no problem. Class, I've always fought for the average working person, because at the end of the day, that's what I relate to. That's what I think most Americans are. And that's what we have to do to get our country back on track. And so, you know, um, I appreciate whatever he has to say in his thoughts. But, you know, I don't listen to him or any other donors when oh. it comes to what I need to do to save America. You, you need the money to keep the campaign going. Everybody knows that. I, I think on Tuesday night, a lot and of And I've got the uh, money yeah. to keep the campaign going, too. And that's the thing that we've saved it. And you look at the fact that just yesterday, since Trump said he was going to ban people who supported me and not MAGA. We raised one point six million dollars in this since he said that. I mean, there are many Republicans who really did not like that comment from Trump. It's just not going to be enough to get Nikki Haley over the hump by any statistic that I'm able to find. However, if she's in, people can vote for her and then we will see what happens at the next primary. Now, for his part, Trump is so triggered by everyone now talking about the cognitive stuff that he spent a large portion of his rally in, in Vegas talking about it. I want to talk about that next. A slurring and sweaty Donald Trump gave a speech in Las Vegas. I'm starting to think that the people around Trump are watching my content. Trump complaining about the fact that people say he's sweaty and he's at his rallies when he is so obviously sweaty at his rallies. He claims that it's 100 degrees at every rally. Uh, it was 100 degrees in Iowa in January. No, it was record cold where it was so cold. They were worried people weren't going to come out and vote. But Trump says it gets really hot. He really doesn't like people talking about his sweat. Sometimes it's 100, 110 degrees. Sometimes in some of these these buildings weren't built for this, right? Crowds like this. And if I'm a little bit wet, little, they say, oh, he was sweating. He was sweating. I don't think that too many people up here that wouldn't be sweating. They, not too many people could speak the first paragraph. You know, I genuinely have no idea how many other media outlets include Trump's incredibly soaking wet appearance in their titles and reporting. We suspected in 2020 that there was someone around Trump who was watching our content. 
And maybe that's where they're getting this. And people are telling Trump they're saying you're sweaty, sir, 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 they're sweaty. Okay, a lot of the rally focused on dementia, Trump telling the crowd that many of them have dementia, Trump saying the dementia test is really hard. And in the midst of all this, before we get to it, Trump coming up with this phrase, peace through Earth, which is not a phrase I'm familiar with. And we will restore on this planet peace through Earth. I am the only candidate who can make this promise to you. I, it's the only I, it's the only person I've ever heard say he will de deliver peace through Earth. I thought it was peace through strength. But Trump, apparently the, the prompter must have been glitchy coming up with his own version of that. All right. So then we go into the hardcore dementia stuff. When Trump gets this obsessed with one topic, you know, he's worried about it. Here, Trump starts by calling for mandatory dementia tests for all presidential candidates, which, by the way, Nikki Haley has also called for. And I think anybody running for president should take an aptitude or a cognitive test. I do. I think it. You want there you have go. People that can pass things. And I took one in office. Remember, they were saying first they said, this guy is brilliant. He wants to take over the world. He wants to take that didn't work. Then they went to about four different scenarios. Then they said he wants total control of the United States. He's never going to give up control. He's totally brilliant. Then they went to a different one that didn't work too much. That didn't scare people. Then they said he's dumb as a rock. He's dumb as a rock. I said, oh, that one I don't like. So I said to Doc Ronnie, do you know Doc Ronnie from Texas? The White House doctor. All right. So he says everybody should take the tests. He's clearly very worried because Nikki Haley is now targeting him on this issue. Trump says he definitely doesn't have dementia because he's related to someone who taught at MIT. Texas. And I said to him, you know, Ronnie, I'd like to take a cognitive test. I never heard of it before, but whatever it is, I like tests. I've always liked tests. Tests are very interesting. And uh, you know, I had an uncle. Tests are interesting. There's an insight. He's the longest serving professor, Dr. John Trump, in the history of MIT. Same genes. We have genes. We're smart. By the way, I don't think that's right. It seems that this guy he's mentioning taught at MIT 37 years, but there are a whole bunch of other professors that have taught there longer. Gilbert Strang, uh, Heather Lechtman's still there. She's been there since 74. Even even that is a lie. He can't tell the truth about anything. People, the smart people, you know, we're like race, Mr. Lieutenant Governor, we're like racehorses, too. You know, the fast ones produce the fast ones and the slow. Yeah. So anyway, Trump's genes and his blood apparently make him uh, certainly not having any issues. Trump then seems to tell the people in the room <laughs> that lots of them have dementia. <laughs> this, you know, it's an unusual strategy. I've never seen a candidate rally his base by telling a crowd of supporters that they have dementia. But that's what Trump is effectively doing here. Yeah, it's a tough test. The first couple of questions are easy, like they have a lion, a giraffe a whale and a shark. And they'll say, which one's the lion? OK. And that's all the press covered. The first question. They didn't cover the last question. Multiply four thousand seven hundred and thirty three. Multiply times seven. Divide without paper and pencil, by the way. Divide it by four. You know, this question he's describing wasn't on the test we saw that he took. So it's actually he seems to be lying about the content of the test as well. Add up another thirty seven and a half point five. I remember that. 
And what's your number? How many people in this room could do it? Not too many. Or they give you six names in a row. I took a lot of heat on this. They give you six names in a row at the beginning. Sir, I'm going to give you six names. Good. They look at them. A chair, a hat, a badge, a necklace, and they vote. Those things. We're going to give you six things. And I say, One person clapping. I love that. Someone liked those six things. What's going on? Can you rename them? So I name them. Then they go back. And if you can do it in order, that's even better. I do them in order. Perfect. Then they come back to you 30 minutes later at the end. Last question. They say, what were those six things? And there aren't too many people. And I get, they laughed. Everyone said, oh, that's so easy. There's only about uh, 2% in this room can do it, but I did it. There you go. So Trump apparently indicating that 98% of this room has more cognitive decline than he does. Uh, you know, the, the fact that he's talking about this so much tells us he's very worried about it. And I have to say, if you're insisting dementia tests and brain injury tests are hard, you might have a problem. It, it's. I, I, I don't know how else to say it, but these are tests meant to screen for pretty serious stuff. And Trump's arguing they are extraordinarily difficult tests. It's all getting really weird. And, you know, he's extremely worried because Nikki Haley is talking about this. Fox News has started talking about it now more substantively. Trump has started to say during speeches that there will be a terrorist attack. Soon. And there's a 100 percent chance that there will be a major terrorist attack in the United States or many attacks, maybe. And it's all because of what's happened over the last three years. He believes because Sean Hannity suggested it to him. He said it the other day that there will be if Joe Biden remains president, there will be a major terrorist attack. Now, the truth is, at any time, there may be a major terrorist attack. Um, Trump has made a number of these predictions. For example, in 2020, he said that if Biden wins, there will be a 1929 style stock market crash. Stocks hit yet another all time high last week. There might have been two new all time highs last week. So my suggestion is take these predictions with a grain of salt. Trump suggesting a, a solution to shoplifting. This is an interesting one. You can solve that in one hour. All you do is one hour. You have to treat the first one out the door of the next time it happens extremely tough. That means anything you want to do. And as soon as that word gets out and you let people know from now on, you don't walk out with aspirin. You know, there you go. Walk out with aspirin. It's going to be very, very serious. And then lastly, this is as close as Trump came to mentioning E. Jean Carroll. The point of eighty three million dollars as as a, a, a verdict is it has to be painful enough that Trump won't keep defaming her. He doesn't mention her name. He just very superficially alludes to it. So maybe the eighty three million was the right verdict. Bill, he is a real threat. What they're doing with elections and election interference, as an example, what they do with me. Look at yesterday. Look at all this crap that's going on. But we keep marching forward. We just keep going. And somehow it all works out. It all works out. So listen, it sounds like the verdict was big enough to scare Trump off from continuing to attack E. Jean Carroll and saying, I never met her and she's not attractive enough for me to sexually assault her on the whole thing. Um, this guy's suffering. 
this guy's suffering and I would be suffering if I were in his shoes. It's the truth. If I had 91 felony counts against me, $83 million finding, maybe going to lose the ability to do business in New York, potentially spending the rest of my life in prison, I'd be struggling too. And he is very clearly struggling. It would be great if as a country we realized this guy has no business being anywhere near the Oval Office. Someone else who has no business being near elected office is Lauren Boebert. We might be about to knock Boebert out of the House of Representatives. After this short break, I want to talk to you about that. Staying healthy is often about what is a sustainable habit, one that works for you, something you'll stick to. I have a scoop of AG one in the morning before my infamous cappuccino. Each serving of AG one just gets me super simply the vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics that I'm looking for. It's just like a foundation for the entire day. And it's super easy. I fill up the shaker with super cold water. I put a scoop of AG one in shake and I'm ready to go. If I'm running short on time, I'll just grab a travel pack, which has an individual serving of AG one that you can easily mix on the go. So even if I'm away from home, I'm just getting that nutritional foundation. I don't have as much time as I would like to perfectly fine tune every single meal. I do the best I can, but I don't want to be dealing with 10 different vitamin supplement bottles and AG one just solves all of that. Try AG one and get a free one year supply of vitamin D three and K two plus five free AG one travel packs with your first purchase at drinkagone.com slash Pacman. That's drink a G the number one dot com slash Pacman for free vitamin D and K two and five free travel packs of AG one. The link is in the podcast notes. We've been hoping for a way to, in 2024, remove radical Republican Congresswoman Lauren Boebert from office. She's really one of the most corrosive and humiliating presences in the House of Representatives around the world. They look at the United States. They say, how do you have a woman like this in elected office? We may be able to do that in November. And part of it is because she has been part of a redistricting in Colorado, which saw her move to a different district. Lines were redrawn. And this may actually be very much to our benefit and a very bad thing for Lauren Boebert. There was recently a debate in this district, a Republican primary debate. And in an informal straw poll, Lauren Boebert finished fifth. She's the current member of the House and she finished fifth. This is really great stuff. A Colorado politics reports Lauren Boebert finishes in middle of the pack in straw poll at inaugural Republican primary debate. Lauren Boebert's middling finish drew gasps from the crowd, which witnessed her face off against eight other Republicans in a congressional primary debate at a rec center in Fort Lupton. Uh, this was a non scientific survey. Remember, these are just straw polls. She was in fifth place with just 10% of the vote. Three veteran state lawmakers and a former talk radio host were all in front of her. Some in the room were surprised. Others just shrugged and said uh, doesn't really mean anything yet. There was a 90 minute debate and uh, this is now she is in the fourth congressional district. And you may recall that she announced in late December she would seek another term in Congress after moving from the more competitive Western Slope based district she represented 
to this other district. And uh, she said she also recently moved personally to Windsor in Weld County, which a lot of people very much care about. This is really uh, an extraordinarily great thing. And I'm going to show you one funny clip from the debate. The candidates were asked who has been arrested, and it looks like most of them raised their hands. This is I mean, listen, uh, it, it's it, it's not the end of the world to have been arrested. I think it's important to say for what I've told my story of my incredible arrest when I was 20, uh, just months shy of age 21, a very stupid situation. But needless to say, uh, just being arrested doesn't mean anything one way or the other. But here is just this very funny, almost surreal moment from the event. So it looks like one, two, three, four. Four hands, it looks like, are up. Uh, <laughs> really a um, really, really a pretty, pretty bonkers situation there. Uh, it would be real, genuinely a good thing to get rid of Lauren Boebert. And, you know, one of the things we've been talking about before is what is the future of MAGA? Lauren Boebert really is the the epitome of Ma- of MAGA. And we were able to knock out um, Madison Cawthorn previously. Marjorie Taylor Greene seems extraordinarily well entrenched there, and I don't know that she's going to go anytime soon, but Lauren Boebert would be a great one to be able to get rid of. Here is uh, a comment that she made. This was after the debate. And during this during this comment, it's funny. One of the other candidates walks behind and then tries to remind reporters, hey, there's other people running here as well. To engage with our senators and other members of the Colorado delegation and other Democrats and pass legislation. I have passed more legislation in this Congress than any member, than any other member of the Colorado delegation. When I came up, I was trying to help her because it felt like she was really getting a lot of media attention. And there are arguably 10 candidates in this race. I think that uh, Congresswoman Bober has made a very big misstep in her decision to jump from CD3 to CD4. And the Eastern Colorado electorate is going to show her that despite everything she says and does coming out of Washington, D.C. So had she stayed in her original race against Adam Frisch, it really looked like Adam Frisch could have defeated her. Now the idea is if she can win the Republican primary, she would have a much easier shot at winning the general. Based on that straw poll, she may not be able to win the Republican primary. We're going to watch it. Last week, I played a video for you of Charlie Kirk, right wing guy. I don't even know what to call him. He has an on campus organization. Charlie Kirk saying when he gets on a plane and he sees the pilot is black, he gets worried. This is where the Republican Party is right now. Well, then they went to Candace Owens in order to run interference. Candace Owens, who is black, defends Charlie Kirk's statement by saying, hey, listen, when I get on a plane and I see the pilots a woman, I get worried. But unfortunately, that is the reality of what happens when it comes to DEI. And what he is remarking on is true. I would be terrified if I got onto a plane and I saw a woman flying the plane. And I know that we have the United CEO saying that he just wants to fulfill a quota. 
He just wants there to be more women and wants there to be more black people. And he's not concerned at first with qualifications. That is something that should alarm all of us. One of the things that, by the way, I wonder what the pilot would think if if she saw uh, Candace Owens on her plane. But that's that's a different story. One of the things that is missing from this discussion is that in so many of these fields, we have more than enough qualified people. So in other words, saying, hey, here's a weird thing. Here's some place like, for example, the U.S. Senate. Here's the in the U.S. Senate. We know that more than half the country is women. And yet there are only three female senators. I don't remember what the number is now, but just at some point, right when the number was one or two, half the country is women and we have only two women senators. That's weird unless there's some really good explanation for that. That isn't this is the way we've done it or what. It might be an interesting thing to make an effort to elect more women senators. Oh, but you're going to select unqualified people just because they're women. No, we have a country of 330 million. The Senate has 100 people in it. We have tens of thousands of qualified men and women who would be great senators. So we don't have to lower standards to say, hey, that's really weird. Now, I am not of the belief. And listen, I'm not going to speak for others. If there are people on the left who hold the belief that every field has to have perfect representation, if there's 17 percent black people in the U.S., there should be 17 percent black people in every field. If there are 50.5 percent women, there should be 50.5 percent women in every field. I don't believe that. Okay, I don't think everything has to be perfectly distributed. But when you look at things that are super lopsided, well, women are half the country and zero percent of the presidents ever. That's kind of weird. Maybe that would be an area where there might be some benefit to having a woman president. Okay. There are places where we just kind of apply common sense. As I've said before, when it comes to aviation, there's a general pilot shortage that goes well beyond, oh, we're going to put aside the qualified people to hire unqualified women and blacks. I mean, it's, it's a crazy perspective. And just as a reminder, this is what started it all. Candace's comment I just played for you was in service of defending this comment last week from Charlie Kirk. And that's why I think this United story and the DEI story yes. hits so hard because we've all been in the back of a plane when the turbulence hits or when you're flying through a storm and you're like, I'm so glad I saw the guy with the right stuff and the square jaw get into the cockpit before we took off. Right. And I feel better now. Thank no, you. I mean, about like, that. you want to go thought crime? Like, I'm sorry. If I see a black pilot, I'm going to be like, boy, I hope he's qualified. Well, well, that's the you wouldn't have done that. You wouldn't have. You no, wouldn't have done that not, before. That's not an immediate. No, you wouldn't that's have done not that who before. I am. That's no. not what I believe. It is. The it kind of seems like it is who what what he believes. Anyway, I had a one particular experience with a female pilot. It was a JetBlue flight. I think it was uh, either LAX to JFK or Vegas to JFK. Anyway. It was like an already delayed flight because they had to fly in apart for the plane from from San Diego. And then it was delayed, and then there was really bad turbulence. And uh, the female captain came over and said, listen, uh, I know lots of people are worried about turbulence. We're going to have a bunch of turbulence on this flight. I just want you to know it. It can feel uncomfortable, but the plane is designed to fly in the turbulence. It's going to be perfectly safe and you really don't need to worry. We're not going to take us through anything that that would endanger the plane. 
And at the time, both my girlfriend and some of the other people I was flying with said, you know, something about the way that she presented that genuinely makes me feel at ease in a way that when you hear seatbelts, folks, we're going to have some turbulence just doesn't completely anecdotal story that came to mind as I was listening to Candace Owens. But this is where these folks are at now. We get worried if we see black or female pilots. But the reason we get worried isn't because we're racist or sexist. It's because of the woke DEI mob that is obsessed with putting unqualified people in positions they have no business being in. They figured out a way to couch their prejudices as the fault of the left, which is, you know, this is where we are in 2024. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. Here's a caller who demands to know why won't I talk about Hunter Biden's laptop? I know it's almost February of 2024, but this is what they want to know. David, this is Warren Under from Middletown, Delaware. I just wanted yes. to ask you, why do you think the liberal media doesn't cover the Hunter Biden laptop situation? Hmm. I just find it funny that all this stuff goes on and nobody has an interest in talking about it. All what stuff goes on. Have a good one. Yeah. Listen, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story is at this point years old. We have um, covered the fact that it was a thing. We've covered the fact that media outlets reported on it. We've covered every aspect of what we know is on it, what was alleged to be on it, the way in which the story was used as a boogeyman by the right. What else is there to cover? What's going on with the Hunter Biden laptop at this point that is missing from liberal media that would be useful or informative? If anybody can tell me what this guy's talking about and can explain to me what there is now. Now, I'm not I'm not saying two years ago. OK, we talked about it. What is there now about the Hunter Biden laptop that's missing from the show? That people are just uh, would be well served to know if anybody can explain it to me, if you can articulate it to me. I'll gladly cover it. We have such a great bonus show for you today. We are going to talk about Nikki Haley sort of turning on the RNC. She doesn't like what the RNC has been up to with regard to pushing Trump. We will talk about the Oklahoma Republican Party censuring James Lankford, the senator, for his uh, talks related to the border. And we will talk about a bill that would ban single people from sending provocative selfies is this nanny state woke nonsense or is it actually Republican conservatism? Which of the two is it? You can guess, maybe. All of those stories and more on the bonus show. Sign up at joinpacman.com. We'll see you then. <laughs>